Welcome to episode 5 uh, of Elite Banting. I think it's episode 5. I'm joined by Matt. Matt, how are you? Hi there, not too bad. Thanks yourself. Uh, I'm good. And now, very exciting for both of us, we're joined by our special guest, Alex Tarr, who is the admin of the Elite Banter Facebook group that Matt and I have mentioned in the past few weeks and introduces his always famous weekly ratings. Alex, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much to both of you guys for having me on. No, oh, pleasure. The, uh, pleasure. I'm a, I'm a little bit overwhelmed by the occasion. To be uh, no, I know. It's we, We've been having technical issues. It's pissing down in Johannesburg. Matt's coming from George. It's, I assume it's dry. Uh, where are you coming from, Alex? Uh, it is dry. I'm in Cape Town, and oh, it is regrettably very, very dry. Yeah, regrettably, uh, aka a drought. So, um, yeah, let's let's first begin. Um, and just those of you who have been listening since the beginning, with, without Alex Tarr, there would be no Elite Rugby Bander Group, and he's uh, one day you might be able to find us uh, on Facebook. <laughs> so, and oh, and Alex, I can say now that we're actually chatting person to person for the first time. Uh, your weekly ratings are the highlights yep. of, my, of my crappy Monday. Uh, at work i don't know if matt feels the same <laughs> matt yeah no i generally look forward to them I, it's, always, it's always good fun because yeah alex tends to put a bit more of a positive spin than most of us do onto the games yeah and just so professionally alex i mean i'm a journalist content writer matt's a lawyer what do you do professionally uh technically also trained as a lawyer um currently working in politics uh, oh that's uh, oh god uh, sorry <laughs> Yeah, legally, legally speaking, that's all I'm allowed to disclose. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. The, the, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, well, the, the, also, the thing, I guess, legally speaking, uh, I guess we should just uh, move on to the Springboks. Uh, just, gentlemen, your thoughts on just how we went against Italy? Um, yeah, I'm going to say a bit of an improvement. Um, actually, uh, before we before we launch into the whole conversation, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like we should just disclose right at the beginning... I think we're all pretty much on the same page that a result, you know, any result against Italy has to come with a little bit of a pinch of salt. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like not to not to you know put any shame to them. Last year, they sh- you know they, they made us think twice about that. Yeah. Uh, but you know we need to be a little bit honest about the quality of the opposition. Uh, but yeah. that being that being said, um, I thought it was a pretty improved performance, like more or less across the board. I think. Yeah, going week by week, it's definitely an improvement, but. As you said, I mean, you've got to take take a result against Italy with a pinch of salt. So we've got to think how much of that is an actual improvement over the over last week and the and the previous week. Well, if you're listening listening to Tutti, he he said that no, the Italy of this year is better than the Italy of last year. Um, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what he's smoking. They've only, they've only won once. <laughs> Since they no, I was say, weren't we weren't we their previous win? But, well, almost, almost. I think they've won one other game. I have no idea who they beat. Maybe France, because France have been absolute shite. But uh, I, I agree yeah. with you, Alex. I think any any win against Italy um, is a pinch of salt. So I, I'm just going to start off with my, with my main highlight that Bongo Manambi stayed on the field for longer than four minutes, and he actually played very well. Yes. Uh, I'm quite stoked that he got a good in a full hour and a half. He's well, not hour and a half, but you know he was there for a while. And he, he kind yeah. of brought the form that he'd been bringing at Curry Cup level uh, to the Springboks. And at least we can now say, all right, there's at least a genuine number two taking place. Chili Boy, I think we can leave him on the side. But that was my highlight. Uh, you guys from the game? Alex, uh, Matt, you go for it. You go for it. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll, I'll go for it. So, so polite. So polite. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, it's hard to um, 
it's hard to beat Bongi effectively doubling his test minutes in one sitting. Um, <laughs> that tripling. was that was pretty impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, tripling. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know about a highlight, but more sort of a glimmer of hope. I'm going to say the fact that that Andre Pollard. Um, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, Andre Pollard, after last week's disaster at the boot, the fact that he could turn it around in one week and come back and not miss off the tee, uh, which is is a fact that you know that you you know opposition aside, kicking from the tee is sort of an isolated event. Uh, so last week, with very little pressure on him, he just missed a bunch of kicks for no real reason, and huge improvement this week. Got all his kicks over. So I think it's it's encouraging to see that. Personally, uh, secondary highlight, uh, just in case Matt's going to beat me to it, uh, Warwick, Warwick Gallant getting a test start. That's uh, huge. Um, uh, uh, I'm so happy for the guy. He deserves it. It's amazing. Hopefully, the beginning of a very long and fruitful career for the box. Yeah, seeing Gallant, yeah, seeing Gallant, you know, local boy from getting himself his first start was great. And these two almost tries were just uh, heartbreaking for me. Yeah. One thing also that I want to mention that's, I don't know if it is a a positive, or towards the other, definitely is a positive, but I don't know if it's a highlight or just a hope for the future. Is I don't know what it means for for the box, but of the five tries we scored, four of them were the guys' first first tries first tries as box, and I mean that's guys who, who Tutti's not been playing in that, but we clearly just put up their hands and said, if you do pick me, I will score. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's true. Also, highlights uh, a big issue that I think all of us have discussed uh, on Facebook anyway is the fact that uh, Kutsia does not use his bench, uh, or he's been shy to use his bench for especially certain positions. Uh, I agree with you 100%, Alex, that Pollard was actually quite impressive this game. He created one of the tries, taking to the line and creating space. Um, I think it was one of the forwards. Also, majority of the tries being scored by forwards. I think that also says something else. I know the con- mm. conditions were dreadful. Um, at least our boy, Francois Fenter, I know we've, we've all been raving about him in the last couple of tests. He seems to actually have a brain compared to, uh, with all due respect, to, to DDA. Um, but, yeah. uh, so I mean, a slight improvement, but I think, again, to go back to your comment, uh, it's Italy. We, we should not get excited about comfortably beating Italy by 20, 30 points. Whatever it is. Uh, moving to, to the down lights, we, we, we can talk about what Alex did. No, no, but let's just get the, the nasty out the way. Andres Kutsia uh, still looked 6 out of 10. No better. Cortal yeah. uh, Skosan, he the one big high ball he had, he missed it. Ross Crenier looked ineffective. Page, and I've been raving about this for a while. You can ask Matt. Uh, mm. Page, Page <laughs> looked quite effective. Uh, when he came on the field, um, all of a sudden I'm talking about problems with the backs. Is that a theme or something like that? I don't know. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think if you look at the whole end of your tour, and actually the whole year, screw it, like the whole year, um, we've definitely had like a forward heavy team. And I mean, I think that's borne out, um, I don't know about necessarily in my ratings, but certainly in, in terms of the general perception of the team, like if you, if you ask the man on the street, you know, which players he would want to change. There's maybe one or two guys in the forwards, like, and that's probably got a lot more to do with our, our loose forward sort of semi-crisis that we have at the moment that Dwayne's kind of plugged the gap with. And uh, most guys, you know, they'll be naming at least three or four guys from 9 to 15 that they'd want to swap out for a better player. Uh, so there's definitely a theme there. It's true. I know one guy Matt wants to talk about, Galant. He looked great. I know we're talking about the negatives, uh, but I'm just talking about Katsia. He's only in the field for 
10 plus minutes, but he came very close to scoring two tries. Uh, I think I, I assume you want to see him next week, Matt, uh, a little bit more. Yeah, I'm hoping if he's not starting, he's at least getting 20 minutes next week because, yeah, he. He definitely brought on a different sort of feel with that backline. They were sort of, he, I don't know, he just seems more exciting than Kutsia does in, at 15. Yeah, but he doesn't have that long hair. It's almost like when Kutsia, like when Skulk had that long hair and Skulk ran into a tackle, you always saw his hair like moving all over the place. And it's like, oh my God, he's in the action. Same as Kutsia, he like runs around, but he just doesn't gain Yeah, meters. but Kutsia's a 15. <laughs> yeah, that's what the problem is. Kutsia's a 15. He shouldn't be running to get his hair tackled. <laughs> Uh, 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 yeah, well, I, I've seen I saw Percy uh, once in the flesh uh, I, I mean I lived in Cape Town for a little bit and I was working with Western Province I saw him walking down that road that divides the office park with Newlands and I always got the yes. most spindly legs I, I felt his hair was almost thicker than his legs He's, he had such a, like the most spindly legs I've ever seen he was like this pink star chest rocking it might have been a pink shirt I don't know but uh, but yeah Kutsia does have some luscious locks um, but yeah, overall, I don't know about you, watching the game, I was very bored. I was just bored. I was just watching this. I, look, I know the conditions were dreadful. I, I will give give uh, the Springboks that little bit of uh, leeway. But I was just bored. Not exciting. I, I, I know we beat France last week, but they're just as bad as us, and they drew Japan, which we'll talk about later. But I, I don't know. I'm not inspired by watching the box. I, I, yeah. I literally yeah. feel zero gears. So, I mean, I think that's, that ties in with a lot of what we've discussed already. So yeah. one big part of that is the, you know, the very forward-oriented quality of the team, which then plays out in terms of our strategy. So I would say, I'd, I'd guess, you know, a good 80% of the carries at least were from the forwards. Yeah. Um, and also, as you mentioned, a lot of the tries coming from that department. So, you know, poor fruit, which is great from, from the coaching side and the strategy. Uh, but from the entertainment side and the entertainment value for the spectators, we're just not seeing a lot of ball running from the bats. Um, Francois Fenton, and that for me, one of the big reasons why I've been championing him uh, is because I feel like he's one of those guys who does create that spark in the back line. You know, Pollard's great at taking it up to the line. He doesn't always create very well. Fenton has this knack for straightening the line mm-hmm. that suddenly you know, makes you question, oh, what, what's he going to do next? What's going to happen next? And maybe it doesn't always work, but it's still just a question mark. But if you think back to something else we've discussed, you know, Galant's two near tries, mm-hmm. You know, why is it that those two moments stuck out for us? Not just because we're big fans of Gallant, but also when he was on the field with you know, Paige on the field, um, who was actually quite quite creative with his kicking, suddenly there were opportunities for the backs. And we just hadn't seen that for the whole game. Like, that's why mm-hmm. there's so few moments that stand out for you. That's why you and I, and probably a lot of us, were a little bit bored because oh. we just weren't playing a creative game until right near the end. Oh, oh. Matt, comments? Yeah, no, I... Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I was playing Animal Crossing for most of the game. I was I was half paying attention with one eye, and yeah. I think it pretty much sums up what Alex was saying: is that we are playing that sort of grinding, almost the old, old sort of mid mid two thousands blue bulls rugby, and we've reverted to type in the Springboks for that as well now. Hey, well, look, speaking speaking of blue bulls, I know John Mitchell. He made some comment a while back saying, "Oh, you know, anybody going to Springboks is essentially wasting their time." And two of the most improved players, I think, when when they came onto the field, just improving their general play with Page. Uh, I'm quite excited. He finally got a chance, and I I, I sincerely hope he gets uh, a full start against Wales, uh, which we will just have a quick chat about later. And also Gillan, two Bulls players, uh, Jesse Creel. Uh, uh, I know, Matt, you made that. It was quite funny you said that because I know that Matthew Pierce, the ultimate 
bread. It's not even butter and it's bread. The bread of commentators. So, oh, oh, oh there was actually Owen. I have a soft spot for Owen, but Owen said no. It's a full defensive channel, smaller, the field. And and then I know you yeah. you said Matt that uh, Jesse Creel he he'd run out of space. It's he actually <laughs> he, he got a line break and he seemed okay, yeah. but again, uh, he's not the answer at thirteen. I don't know. Don't know why Tutti. We've tried him a lot. I don't know. Fifteen, eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eleven's maybe a better idea. But at this point, as well, then who else have we got for a spare thirteen now? Arm goes in, I assume, and then who else? That's a good question, actually. Uh, this arm. I look. I mean, obviously, being being a Lions fan, I'm a bias. But there's Harold Foster. Um, anybody but Creel. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, anyone but Creel. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, if we're talking about just for this game um, in the context of the squad, you know, people have been baying for, for um to get mm. a little bit of game time. Um, and as you know, okay, Francois Fenter typically plays uh, more 13, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. But, no, no, uh, no, 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 that's true. You should go, no, go. He's... Yeah. So the problem there is, of course, we just don't we just don't have any serviceable inside centers because there's been this this bizarre obsession with Damien Derlende being in the squad and he's taking up in the spot of a of any other competent center so we're a little bit short on options um outside of the squad I'm a a huge and unashamed fan of Harold Forster mm. um I know he's like doesn't always get the starts for the Lions and um he's not the flashiest player but he just brings this real x factor to the position his lines that he runs are easily the best in South Africa to be honest um, mm. and he's just an out and out athlete like he's he's so good he's not going to you know be throwing sunny ball passes out the back of his hand or anything like that or you know chip chase or anything crazy um, and he doesn't bring like the 60 meter boot that Francois Stein brings but he's just got incredible game sense and my my position is always that you take the guy with you know the the brain for the game and you, you coach him into the skill set and the techniques uh, rather than the other way around, and you know that's exactly the problem with someone like Delende, who um, I feel like we're turning this into a Delende shaming session for a half hour. But uh, you know he just doesn't have the brain for it. Like he's he's got the physical attributes. He's like a huge guy, and I remember when he was at university level, he just used to dominate guys at the collision point, and it's amazing. And he also he's got a really good pass when he uses yeah. it, but he just he just doesn't he's not a thinker. You know, like he doesn't doesn't see the game playing out in front of him, and, and Forster does. So I'd really like to see him involved going forward. Uh, uh, Matt, uh, do, do you have any fan favorites in a 12 or 13 channel? I'm going to talk about Ronyans van Rensburg later, because obviously I've got a giant man crash okay. uh, uh, on him, naturally. I know he's at sale at the moment in the English meat grinder. Anybody else that sticks out for you at 12 or 13 for the box? <sighs> not really. Not No one that we've already mentioned. I mean, Ruan, Harold Foster. Um, there's, yeah, I don't know... Uh, Backline players, are those are that's most of my knowledge gap as well, though. So, yeah, well, I guess being a prop, being a prop, it's hard for you to a former prop. Sorry, not not a real life prop. You're busy, uh, busy scrumming oaks in the courtroom now. But uh, as, as as real life prop, you you know you're doing what you got to do. Hey. Yeah. Um, um, well, I'm I'm like the complete opposite. Like I can never I can never pick a prop. Like. Yeah, Whenever I'm trying to do predictions for who should be starting for the box. I'm like, I, I have absolutely no idea what makes a good prop. People say Volker uh, Lowe is like a good scrummager. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Guy's a good scrummager. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Like, I just said, I, I, I'm, I've never oh, played a game. Volker's yeah, yeah. 
What? I was going to say, Wilco's, Wilco's easy to tell if it's a big scrummage. I mean, his thighs are as big as his torso. Yeah, but do you, <laughs> like, when you're watching him, Matt, do you, do you almost think like, oh, yeah, do you, like, do you take pleasure from watching Wilco scrum down compared to Oaks like Trevor or Beast or the Ginger Ninja, anybody else? Wilco versus Ruan Dre is like day and night watching the two scrum. Oh, jeez, yeah. Which is the easiest, one, the easiest comparison because they're both the same position as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, again, I think this goes back to um, Titi just being an absolute shite selector. Ruan Dre has been in and around the squad the whole year. Now he's benched. And it's kind of something you, you were talking about, Alex. We, we're essentially playing with a squad of 25, 26. There's a couple of guys on the sideline yeah. that uh, I, I think the the draw, the ball, sorry, is, is, is finally dropped for, for Katsia. It's like, ah, oh, these guys are not international quality. It just goes back to the fact he's been a crap selector all, all season, even two years now. Katsia should have been dropped ages ago, in my opinion. Same as, and it hurts me to say it's Gossam, but at Super Rugby level, he is the heat. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. I wish we could get Hugh Jones. I mean, he was great for Western Province. He's not tearing up trees at. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, I mean, someone someone on Twitter was saying, uh, "Oh, you know, we I can't believe we let Hugh Jones go. Like, get out of our grasp." And, like, <laughs> no, he's probably one of the best players in Scotland. I mean, he was never within our grasp. Like, he's he's not even a little bit South African. Uh, you know, he was here as an exchange student, or not an exchange student. Like, I think he was just here for for university. He was like coaching. Coaching rugby at uh, at bishops, I think. Oh, is, that, yeah, is, that, is, is, yeah. is that actually why he was here? Yeah, yeah. Like he, he was here on a gap year. I think he came on a gap year, and then he just made it big in rugby and decided to stick around while he played for Province, and then made it big for the Stormers and got a little bit of attention overseas. And then his home nation um, gave him a call, and obviously he answered. Like he he was never on the cards for for South Africa. I think. If, if he was going to qualify, it would have only been in 2018 or 2019. Yeah, and, by which yeah. Point, and, and he, he would have been playing like <laughs> years of international rugby for Scotland. So and, and it he was never going to happen. Totally turned down the uh, the pound for the rand. I mean, that I'm sure very, yeah. very attractive, yeah, totally. <laughs> very attractive option. Uh, all right, well, let, let, I mean, let's talk about next week. We've got Wales. It seems like all the other nations, Australia uh, and, Aust- and New Zealand, they've kind of finished up their tours and a whole bunch of other games. Um, it's changes you want to see next week. Also to remember, Vimulin, Flo, uh, he's gone. Elton Yankees is hanging around uh, for, for the next fixture. And I'm not quite sure if there's anybody, anybody else dropping out the squad. See, Khaleesi's back. So we're going to have a rejig loose trio again. Um, so I guess we could just start there. Uh, Peter Stiftatoy, he's been all right. He's kind of becoming that six and a half, five and a half sort of player that England are, are beginning to employ a lot more with Courtney Laws also playing in that area. Um, just general changes you want to see next week? Uh, because I assumed Tutti says, no, we're going to play our strongest team against Italy. Uh, and he says, no, guys, we'll get an opportunity. So is that against Wales? Uh, so who do you think might start next week? Um, so first of all, um, I think as a general rule of thumb, you just got to ignore literally everything that Alistair Katsia says. Because nothing means anything. Uh, you know, it's not that he's, he's not, he's not like, uh, like Peter de Villiers, like he, he doesn't talk nonsense. He's just, it's all sort of hot air, you know, so just ignore all of that. Yeah. Um, so I think the focus is going to be on plugging the gaps of guys who are leaving. Um, because you mentioned Francois Lowe, I think we're probably just going to see a straight swap then of Khaleesi yeah. for Lowe. Um, I don't know if Dwayne's leaving. Is Dwayne yeah, he available? Is. As yeah, as far as I heard, he is. Yeah, he's going back to Toulon. Yeah. He's going back to Toulon. Yeah. So I guess we're going to see Dan, Dan Dupre starting. And then Zeka Sim back on the bench, which mm. is, is 
probably okay because he didn't really embarrass himself when no. he played. Um, uh, so starting from the top of this last week's team, Beast, I don't know if his injury is serious enough for him not to start. Uh, there's something really about care. his groin, isn't it? He's yeah, he needs a break. Also. Yeah, that too. Yeah, he's a maybe, I think. And I mean, Kitchoff has been great. So I would, I would just start Kitchoff. Well, um, Kitchoff, just quick, quickly interrupt you there. Kitchoff's his only test starts yeah. being against New Zealand. So, yes, know, yeah, yeah, great game. And that was that was in the second test where we we almost won. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not like I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that he was the reason, but uh, <laughs> it, it's a bit hurt. Um, and then okay, so going back from the top, so Marx is obviously back. I, I think we can expect to see him yeah, start, yeah. Um, which is fine. Will Colo, I'm assuming, is still with us. Yes. No, no, no. He, oh, he's yeah. Stormers. So yeah, all the all the lowly yeah, best players will start. Okay, so Urban, Lourdes, probably they won't change anything there, although Mustard was good when he came on. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, Cronier, Pollard. Shit, guys, we've got like four days. Can't we get Cronier like a, an overseas contract somewhere? Oh, oh my God. Uh, I'd love it. I mean, they can send him on a, a clinic or something. I'm, I'm Did you just... guys have... Do you guys have a contact, like a contact in in Japan that we can call up and they can just give him like one Matt, week? Matt Matt knows people in Japan. Do you do you know? Do you no, know bro. No, she, no, she's moved to Connecticut now. Even America, America, dude. Yeah, like the yeah. college system there is getting better, supposedly. Uh, maybe. <laughs> anyway, I, I I would give anything to see Paige start this weekend, yeah. especially Pollard. Like I think the, the the best thing to do with Pollard is just keep him playing. Um. He's the one guy that needs more game time, I think, of yeah. all the guys who started. And, I mean, they're, they're domestic partners, so give them a little time in the, in the green jersey, see what they can do. Um, Tsukasan, yeah, um, I think the less said about Courtenal, the better. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like you, Adam, I'm a big fan. Uh, I just, you know, I can't take all this disappointment from him. Yeah, and uh, he, he got fired And off. I think, yeah. despite, despite our best wishes... Um, we're still going to see Andres starting at the back, <sighs> and I think we're going to see Gilan start at the wing. Um, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that's 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 a decent shot. So, I mean, either Scorsano could see it. Both of them should make way. Uh, it's kind of check as they don't. I'm really hoping um gets a shot on the bench or something. It's, it's actually ridiculous. He's been on turn. Just to briefly touch on the whole transformation argument, there's a prerogative here that uh, promising young black players are given a chance, and Am has not been given a chance. And I don't understand. He had a very good Super Rugby season, very good Curry Cup season. He's there in merit. Um, so I'd say it's just a bonus you know, from a transformation perspective. And he still hasn't been given an opportunity, which, again, to go to go right back, four first-time scorers and Tootsie not using his bench. So for me, I just prefer to have Paige start. I agree with you. Pollard's looking better and better. And he's, I've just, he's just got a bigger boot than, than Yankees. Mm. He just kicks it further, so which is a big bonus. And I think beyond I'm actually quite excited to see the Dupre twins. They've got some mad hand skills. I know they do butter it up every now and then. But uh, I'm, excited, yeah, I'm excited to see Dupre uh, start. So that, that's it for me. I, I don't know, Matt. Maybe in the front row. I know Nyakani was on. Uh, anything else? Maybe across the 15? You want to see changed? No, I don't. I honestly don't expect Tutti to change anything besides injury or guys going back to club just to cover those. Because I mean, yeah. if he's saying that he played his strongest team this weekend, and I mean Wales have be, have given the other sides a surprisingly good run. So I mean, Tutti's obviously still going to be thinking about his bottom line and whether he wants to actually 
win and somehow save his contract in December. So I reckon he's going to try and see, he's more than likely going to stick to form than actually do something experimental and that we want to see. Yeah. Well, mm. well uh, we shall see. Um, quick prediction against Wales. I, I actually think we're going to lose. I, this, I, I finally managed to catch up on the highlights of the All Blacks game. They played some very good rugby. They just got beaten. Um, a piece of me, I know this sounds horrible to say, I really, a piece of me wants us to lose so we can sack Couture full and full. Oh. I, I know, I'm sorry, it's a disgusting thing to say, but obviously, it's... I would, I would be, wouldn't it be nice? Um, I just feel with this team, France were awful, Italy were terrible. I'd, I, I kind of, I'd say Wales are the favourites for this game right now, especially with all the changes taking place. Just Dwayne Vermeulen and added a lot of stability uh, in and around the pitch. I'm probably going to say Wales by five, but I'm, obviously, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good shot. Um, I have to uh, I have to crunch the numbers. Uh, let me just quick pretend like there's anything I do that's even vaguely scientific. Um, but uh, if you think about the Welsh team, like they they got some some pretty big names there. You know, they got the Lee Halfpennies and the Alan Wynne Joneses and uh, Toby Falatau, um, who played really really well yeah. this last weekend. And if you think about the bench. Um, because that's normally an area where when I'm doing my sort of head-to-heads, I normally try and get an extra point for the box there because <laughs> I feel like we've got a strong bench because most of our stronger players aren't starting. But actually, Wales have a really strong bench as well. You know, they've got Jamie Roberts on the bench, or they had him last weekend. Um, Reese Priestland as well. And I can't remember there was a forward um, who I thought was uh, uh, Tipperich. Yeah. You know, these, these are the guys who have who've been on the stage for a long time. Um, a couple of them are, are Lions. So they've got a strong bench. And, you know, playing at home, I, I don't fancy us at all. Uh, I'm going to agree with Matt and say that Kutsia is not going to make the changes we want to see in the back line. Mm. He's only going to make forced changes in the forwards. I think, I think we're going to see Paige start, but that's it. I think we're still going to see Creel, we're still going to see Skosan, we're still going to see Andres Kutsia. And on the basis of that alone, I'm going to give it to Wales by 7 to 10. Oh, Any hope? Um, I know we're talking about we losing Flo and we're losing Vermeulen. Hmm. How many of the Welsh players are Wales losing? I, out of I, curiosity. Because they also no outside of the window. No, but all of them, that's I, think, I think, yeah, I think all of them bar Palatau. No, I did look. I didn't be correct on Falatau, but all of them, bar maybe Falatau, might play. I think he plays um, in the Premiership. All of them own Wales, so I suspect they have the most. The almost. Okay, so yeah, the, yeah, because the Welsh, yeah, the Welsh-based guys, we definitely will see. But yeah, if the what whoever's outside of they also going to maybe lose one or two key guys as well. But yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to hunt for a silver lining, but also somewhere between that, I think we're going to lose by by a score at least five or seven. The, the yeah. challenges out out for Tutsi. And just a quick point, I know we've seen reports that he's going to get sacked. He's not going to get sacked. Um, do you think he's going to, let's say, come January 1st, he's going to still be in the job? I don't think so. Uh, reports reports of all people, they've been saying that uh, Tutsi's pretty much done for. And report, I'd probably argue, the best source to rugby paper. I know they are in Afrikaans, which is the furthest thing from my mother tongue. But I generally know what they're talking about. Do you, do you think he, he's going to be there January 1st? I, I, I probably think not, especially if they can avoid uh, a golden handshake. Mm. Um, sure, that's a difficult one. Mm. You know, there's been, there's been such a precedent set, I think, of 
coaches being sacked for for crappy end of year records. Sure. Um, and you know he's now had two back to back. So, God, I can't imagine him surviving this. You know, if it was any other like line of work, any other job, any other industry, you you think he'd be out of the door by now. Um, but I mean, then again, you know, like there are a couple of results dotted in that record of his. Um, the home win against an okay a shoddy French team, but still a home series win. Yeah. And almost win against New Zealand. Uh, draw two back to back draws against Australia. Um, yeah, you've shit, got those. But you, we've got those, but we've also got our first loss to Italy, our first this, our first other loss. I mean, how many yeah. other records has he also broken? He's got the good results and he's got equally the bad ones. I mean, his outliers are ridiculous. Yeah, feast yeah, or famine. Yeah. Feast or famine. Yeah. Uh, we'll call him feast or famine. Could <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> To be honest, to me, that that illustrates that illustrates if nothing else, like um, in a way, the the lack of leadership, like the, yeah. just the fact that he's like a non he's like a non coach. I feel like yeah. he has no impact on the team. Like the team just runs out there on the day, and like the, if it's just a question of whether their their demons or their better angels triumph, and I he's think just that was. Like the rest of us, um, he's got no idea what's going on. So, I don't know. I think, yeah, that, that was most clear against Ireland. I mean, there was clearly no game plan there. No, same against New Zealand. So, I guess uh, it all remains to be seen. Now, just quickly, uh, we, we, we've been crappy on the Springboks for just over half an hour. Uh, just a quick look at some of the other games that stuck out. I'm just going to start off. I know Matt and I said last weekend, we, we chatted about the uh, Scotland-Australia game. I thought it'd be a tight affair. Scotland absolutely hammered them. By, I think yeah. it, it's, and I was listening to another pod. It's the first time they've gotten over 50 points since I think they played Portugal in the 2007 <laughs> Rugby Rugby World Cup. Um, uh, Scotland, they are coming. Hugh Jones, I mean, having a great time at 13. I, I, I've, I've been sneakily checking out the uh, highlights as, we, as we've been chatting. And uh, that red card that Kepi got, it reminds me a lot of Sonny Bill. The red card he got against the Lions series just decided to, um, the Oak. She shoved his shoulder straight into the oak's face. And I know by the guidelines yeah. of the law, you got to do that. Definite red. I'll probably check a spat stuff. But uh, what's that, what's happening with Australia as well? They, they seem good. They don't. They beat New Zealand. Is the end of your tour. Also, Stephen Moore going out. It's his last test match for Australia. I mean, just thoughts. that They got beaten by Scotland by 30-odd points. Uh, yeah, Matt, do you want to take this one? Um. Okay, yeah. I mean, I was worried for Scotland in the beginning of the game because... A lot of my ideas for their team at the moment was based on whether or not Hogg's going to have a good game. And then, you know, they get the news. Hogg hurt, hurt himself pre, pre-match warm-up, oh. so he wasn't playing. So immediately I was thought, oh, well, this is going to be a washout. But I don't know. Australia always strikes me as a sort of a temperamental side, sort of the stroppy teenagers. And last week didn't go their way, and they had a lot of sort of sulks from last week. And that always sort of affects the way they play the next weekend, so, which was clear today, uh, this weekend as well, that they just weren't really in that game. I mean, yeah, they got a red card, but I, I think even if Kepu stayed on the field, the result wouldn't have been much better in their favour. That red card wasn't necessarily sort of a turning point, so to say. Yeah, and, and Scott mm. and, uh, Scott didn't play well. So I think they ended up winning, running out 53-24 winners. So I mean, a fantastic win by Scotland. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna attribute a little bit of it towards Australia just being a little bit much at the end, the end of a long mm. season. I think. Look, I don't know about you guys. I'm super psyched for Super Rugby uh, next year. Just a slightly revitalised format. 
and uh, I think we'll, we'll see uh, a lot more. And then New Zealand uh, running out winners against Wales. I mean, I've, I said this last week's Alex, since you're joining us for the first time, they've they've kind of been winning games at three and a half, fourth gear. Uh, and the and the, yeah. and the latest game, uh, Naholo, two high quality tries. The guy's a class finisher, and uh, mm. even then, I mean, Rico Arani, I think the RB Young Player of the Year. I know Bowden Barrett, yep. but World Player of the Year, two high class tries. Uh, they're also running a little bit of fumes. They still put Wales away. Wales play a lot better, so I'm a little worried about next week. But I don't know much else to say about that. New Zealand just their class uh, shone through. Yeah, you must keep in mind, I mean, New Zealand played the British and Irish Lions right in the middle of their Super Rugby season. Hmm. So, I mean, their guys are all buggered, I'm assuming, by this point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they must must be exhausted. That's a hell of a year. Um, And, I mean, to still be sort of cantering in against Wales, you know, by 15 points or whatever it was. um, Sure. It actually, you know, again, like, just to be the devil's advocate, mm-hmm. it, it kind of puts into perspective the fact that we were able to come so close against them. Yeah, um, not true. But, uh, you know, then again, to play devil's devil's advocate, it was like two weeks after they thrashed us by like 50 points. Oh, so, just, they were missing half the team and we, we shouldn't be celebrating losing and blah, 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 blah. blah. I just, look, I know Malcolm Marks, he is the second coming and everything. He should be back next week, by the way. In, in a weird way, I kind of heard Bongi start, so I know going back to... That game, anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, New Zealand, they got through. Ireland, they... Who did they beat? I actually don't quite remember. Uh, Argentina? Argentina? No, no, it wasn't Argentina. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. It was, it was. Sorry, they played Fiji. They it played. was Argentina. Yeah, I mean, that, they coasted through. Um, didn't really check that out, but Ireland, I mean, they also have a very solid side. Uh, and then, uh, lastly, uh, before I, we have to talk a little bit about the Kings. Uh, I know the Cheetahs also won. But, but Japan drawing 23 all against France. Is this France being absolute shit? I know they were terrible against us. I mean, how we managed to beat them, I don't know. We were also equally poor. Or Japan coming on the rise. I suspect it's a bit of both. Discuss. Uh, shit, I mean, you know, uh, if I had to put my money down, I'd say France is just shit. Um, they were terrible against us. And if I remember correctly, when I looked at the team sheets last week, they had changed their team quite a bit from our game. Mm. Uh, so, uh, like, for example, Mathieu Bastarud wasn't playing. Maybe Okay, maybe that's a good thing because he was a bit of a liability against us. But, mm. you know, they had a few of those, like, first stringers who weren't playing. So I think they maybe took the game a little bit lightly. And, I mean, Japan, you know, we know better than anyone what they're capable of uh, when they when they get it into their, their hearts. So, yeah, just French letting their guard down. Um, I think... Japs, uh, sorry, the Japanese um, scored like quite a late try to win the game. So, yeah, I think just French being laissez-faire, really. Draw, draw the game. Yeah. Draw the game. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, sorry, to draw the game. No, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Matt. But yeah, no, I think it's definitely something to do with France sort of letting their guard down. But I think the Japanese are the one side that you that seems to be that when you put your guard down, they will bite and they will get through. And they will make you so, feel feel uh, will make you regret letting your guard down. I mean, look at us and yeah, I don't know. From what I saw in the game, I'm only caught highlights. But the Japanese side, they looked they looked smart. They looked neat. They were doing the right things yeah, as opposed as opposed to France. Well, we I, were just I, I don't think just uh, to 
quickly check in here. Next next year, come Super Rugby, the Sunwolves are essentially going to be very close to the Japanese national teams, the JRU, and big companies that run the club system over there. Uh, they've come to a bit of an agreement. They're releasing all the majority of their players. Jamie Joseph's going to have almost full control. I don't know if he's actually coaching the Sunwolves. Probably not. But uh, there's a lot more, a much closer alignment between the JRU and the professional system. So I think the Sunwolves are going to be, they're going to pick up um, a few wins next year. I think it's I great, know, that... great, great, great for the World Cup. But uh, it's going to be interesting next year. And uh, they play speed rugby, which is nice to watch as well when they get it right. Yeah, but I don't know. That yeah. worries me because, I mean, Argentina's been doing that for the last two seasons. And yeah, they've gone backwards. Still, I'm so and the wheels have come off on that system there. Oh, so God, yeah. I'm not entirely so down for the system just yet. Oh, so I mean, I, I, don't know yeah. if, I don't know if it has much of a bearing, but like, I think there's there's like quite a distinguishable cultural difference between the two countries. So That's true. No, I don't know. True. My mind, Argentina's always been just like such a passionate, emotional, you know, like... Um, they got like you know a whole team of Damien Delenders really, Pretty much. Um, just a little just a little bit more interested in the game. Uh, whereas the Japanese are kind of the opposite. You know they they know they're fully aware of their physical limitations, I guess, traditionally speaking, and they they try and make up for it with just being as incisive as possible and being as strategic as possible. And um, they're really very very focused on discipline and team effort and cohesion, which True. is kind of the opposite of the Argentinians. So. Maybe that under the similar sort of pressure that the Argentinians have kind of crumbled under, we could see Japan, you know, forging themselves into a, a samurai sword. Is that a bit on the nose? Is that, yeah, is that no, no, that's true. Uh, no. <laughs> it's legit. I mean, Matt, Matt watches a lot of Japanese wrestling, so he's kind of like our Japanese cultural attaché, in, in my opinion. So, <laughs> okay. if, so if there's anything anything below the, below the belt, he'll let us know. Um, uh, <laughs> Look, I mean, yeah, as long as we use the word fighting spirit, I think we're golden. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, last thing, last thing, last thing before we wrap up. Uh, I unfortunately missed the game. I was, I was busy checking out a musical with the wife. It was actually, it was the Vita one about Argentina, and I felt I was kind of drifting in uh, into thinking about Argentina rugby when I started going about a new Argentina. It was one of the songs, and I thought, well, you know, beyond Augustin Grevy, uh the Kings almost came, and, and as you all know, Matt's a big Kings fan. Huge soft spot for him. What went wrong at 30-34 to the Scarlets after they were leading? Uh, I don't know. I think it's most probably just a testament to the Scarlets having, because they were lose, they were missing almost half their team to mm. the well to the well side, and their bench is clearly just still strong enough. Because I mean, they yeah, I only caught the second half, and mm. they were. A team, they just, you could see that they just put their head down and carried on doing what they were supposed to be doing. And I think the Kings are st- still a bit of a, I don't want to use the word amateur, but they're still a bit of a club side, I think, at the moment. And they don't necessarily have it in them to go 80 minutes at Pro 14 level just yet. And, but the time's coming. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm looking at the. Uh, just pretty quickly brought up the the, the game feed because I um, someone embarrassingly also didn't watch the game, um, and the winning try was scored in the 70th minute by the Scarlets, mm. and in the 73rd minute the Kings had a five minute scrum. Oh, so that was oh uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it seems from, from from what I'm looking at that they gave away a penalty and then that was kind of it. And, yeah, they, you know, they had it. They had it in their own hands. Like they, they could have done it. Um, so I think that definitely um, speaks to what you talk about, that, that sort of maturity that comes from being a, 
you know, well-established team with well-established players, and they've they've got the seed for it, but they're not there yet. Yeah, I think uh, this season's not necessarily a wash, but this season's definitely to quote Tutti, there's going to be there's going to be things to take out and away from this season and build upon. Oh, jeez, I mean, like I mean, he, the oak he could build a house in quicksand, and, and then he'll say that. So <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting very angry. Uh, from, from from that, uh, all right, gentlemen. I think that's gonna that's gonna do it. We we've been chatting for a solid 40, 40 plus minutes. Thanks, thank you for both of your times, uh, Alex. Maybe maybe we'll check you next week. Maybe we won't. Uh, we will chat about it. But thank you. Yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it's been a very sure I'll be available. Excellent. No, it's we'll... been a pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. And no. whether I'm on next week or not, keep up the good work because. Honestly, it's like it's really top stuff. So very yeah. impressed. Well, thanks, yeah. guy. No, we'll pat ourselves in the back. We'll, yeah, we'll, no, we'll, thank you. We'll see. We'll see if if uh, if you're around next week. I think uh, this is nice having a third opinion in, instead of uh, Matt and I arguing with one another, bringing the north versus south yeah. debates. I know there is a bit of a balance of uh, two two south versus north. That's okay. We got we got rainwater here. <laughs> Sorry, it's quick quick low well, blow. Technically, um, I'm being so I'm like a Switzerland in that argument. <laughs> All right, fair, fine. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. All right, chaps, uh, check you next week. Take it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Oh, wait. Cheers.